0: Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Hamas is cracking. They're surrendering. This war could be over soon. Full-scale surrender. Total abandonment of the area. Control by the Israelis until control can be given to somebody else. And a better life for the Gazans could come. Oh, it'll take a generation or two. Because sometimes you have to work out that mindset. Wait till they learn that Jews weren't their problem. But Hamas was. Some of them already know it. Some of them are going to need to learn. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get into what's going on with the college presidents and some of the most radical conversation, trying to avoid responsibility and deflect to a free speech conversation. Although there's always room for a free speech conversation. I'll get to that as well. But can we focus for just a moment as we have from the beginning? The border is the biggest story in America.
1: I'm here at the Lukeville Port of Entry to assess the situation on the ground firsthand and get Customs and Border Patrol the resources they need to reopen our Port of Entry. Security is a top priority, and as long as I'm governor, I'll do whatever I can to end the chaos at the border. I'm not afraid to stand up to politicians on either side who aren't doing what's in the best interests of Arizona. And I'm taking action. This week I sent a letter to President Biden demanding the resources and manpower to open this Port of Entry. And we announced Operation Secure to step up state support for local law enforcement. But Arizona can't do this alone, nor should we have to. We're asking the federal government to reimburse us for the cost uh, to Arizonans. For far too long, Arizona has borne the brunt of federal inaction on our southern border, and I'm tired of it. Now is not the time for partisan politics. It's time for action.
0: That's Katie Hobbs who has been described in Arizona as, and I'm quoting, a Muppet. The Democrat, Katie Hobbs, who literally ran no campaign whatsoever and beat Carrie Lake, she's saying that the Biden administration isn't doing enough. They asked for like $512 million. The southern border is the biggest story in America. This is a recording you have got the the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, saying very clearly you're not actually thinking that this government, this federal government is going to help you New York, are you? Because these people have been pretty dang clear.
1: We are at an untenable situation right now and it is painful for us, it is painful for the city. And I think that you see it being reflected in the polls. It is because our federal government actions have taken a toll on the people of this city. Uh, We're going to continue to do our job um, in this administration, uh, but these are extremely challenging times. And as I left uh, Washington, D.C., I did not leave with optimism. I left with the cold reality uh, that uh, help is not on the way in the immediate uh, future. It is going to be at this moment. It's going to be up to New Yorkers and this administration to continue to navigate this this challenge that we're facing.
0: The administration has got nothing to bring. This is why we did Border Week, and we're going to be doing it all week. I've been doing interviews over the last a month with with policy people, with people who have been on the ground, uh, former Border Patrol uh, chief, uh, sector chief uh, Chris Clem. Uh, people uh, from the world of of, of sports. Uh, Randy Grimes, former center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who's been working with Border Patrol and the morale issues there. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? Where are the policy issues? What are the money issues? Does the wall work? By the way, it does so many pieces. But we're not even addressing them on, on, on their most basic elemental level. It's time uh, for both... Uh, Hobbs and, and Adams, and they have said it, but the echo needs to grow larger. You only fix a problem by fixing it. And until you tell squad members to shut the hell up, you don't have a say in this thing. You want open borders. You're freaks. Here's what we need. Let's start here. Could we start with just a basic and getting rid of the fentanyl? Well, that comes through legal ports of entry. Did anybody ask whether it came legally or illegally? And by the way, it comes both. Stop it from coming. Let us have at least a focus on this. Can't even get that. So that's why we did Border Week. And that's what we're going to be getting into later on the show. As for Hamas, the people out there, members of, of Hamas, these terrorist lowlifes, who are giving up, they're surrendering to Israeli forces. This is welcome news. Now, I have concerns about the surrendering because I don't trust any of these lowlifes, any of these disgusting, despicable, terrible people. Uh, Trust a terrorist? No thanks. But they are starting to crack. And um, Benjamin Netanyahu has been very uh, clear, do not, do not uh, die for Sinwar. Who's Sinwar? Uh, Sinwar is um, the head of Hamas in Gaza. Now, he's not the head of Hamas, you know, living the good life with the billions of dollars in Qatar, he Yaya Sinwar Y A H Y A first name Sinwar S I N W A R is the guy leading things in Gaza. And based on every conversation piece, oh they hate the dude. Well what's to like? Why would anybody in, in Gaza actually like him? There's no food. There's no electricity. There's nothing but destruction. Residents are writing, what corruption? We are a family of four with refugees among us struggling to find or buy food. We're denied aid. The police informed us the representative that distributing aid was prohibitive. Prohibited. And then, of course, you get the ever popular that these organizations are ruining our lives just like the Jews. See, this is why, and it's important uh, to remember um, that you, when, when Hamas is destroyed, you can't just let Hamas, uh, or I should say Gaza run itself. It's going to take a generation, maybe two, to get this Jew hatred out of their heads Hamas is your enemy. If Israel lets in the aid and Hamas steals the aid, Israel clearly isn't the issue here. Your issue is this terrorist organization, and that's going to take time. As other people have stated to press that have been in Gaza, all the aid goes down to the tunnels. It doesn't reach the people. Everything goes to their homes. They take everything. Even when reporters are like, well, what about this? And they do that for you, because there are plenty of Hamas-aligned reporters. These people know. No matter how much they're, they're trained to blame Israel, they know what's what. But you can't just simply destroy Hamas and let uh, the, the people of Gaza control things. You, you'll still have the same problem. You got to change mindsets. That's going to take time. As for the United States, well, they're just angry that a ceasefire hasn't come. How dare the United States not be pushing for a ceasefire? You've got the head of the UN, the Secretary General Guterres, trying to invoke Article 99, has not been invoked since 1971. What does Article 99 do? it would allow to bring to the attention of the Security Council quote, any matter which in his opinion may threaten the maintenance of international peace and security meaning utilizing the UN to try and apply pressure to bring forth a ceasefire now we all know that a ceasefire is nutty a ceasefire is a ridiculous position what you didn't know is that Bernie Sanders that's right the commie agrees well, with all, you. Oh that second Bernie, I wasn't ready for you. Now I'm ready for you.
1: Well, first of all, I strongly support and wish and hope that the United States will support the United Nations resolution that was vetoed that we vetoed the other day. That was a humanitarian pause, a humanitarian ceasefire. And would have, by the way, called for the release of all of the hostages held by Hamas and would have allowed the UN and other agencies to begin to supply the enormous amount of humanitarian aid that mm-hmm. the Palestinian people In terms of a permanent ceasefire, I don't know how you could have a permanent ceasefire with Hamas who has said before October 7th and after October 7th that they want to destroy Israel they want a permanent war. I don't know how you have a permanent ceasefire with an attitude like that.
0: I don't know how you think you have a temporary ceasefire with an attitude like that, Bernie. I mean, you 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 hit the 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 points properly, and then you 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 fail. Some humanitarian pause is okay. Permanent ceasefire. It, I mean, it's just silliness. This is what happens when you aren't willing to actually win a fight. But Representative Ocasio-Cortez is apoplectic, criticizing the Biden administration because the U.S. vetoed a U.N. resolution calling for a ceasefire, wrote that it was shameful, writing, and I quote, the Biden administration can no longer reconcile their professed concern for Palestinians and human rights. While also single-handedly vetoing the UN's call for ceasefire and sidestepping the entire U.S. Congress to unconditionally back the indiscriminate bombing of Gaza. Representative Ocasio-Cortez, you Jew-hating freak. Let's be clear about a couple of things between us. You're not bright. And, you know, I've always said, I don't know you personally. You could be a lovely friend, a good daughter. I, I wouldn't know these things. I only know your policies. And your policies are childlike. And I only know your positions. Your positions are Jew-hating. So I don't plan on treating you very well in these types of dialogues anymore. I don't know why. I, I mean, I'm supposed to be the one who extends all the grace? Gaza is not being indiscriminately bombed. Hamas is being destroyed. And you should be in favor of it but you can't favor it because your hatred of Israel overwhelms your desire to see a better tomorrow. Your friendships are your problems. Jeremy Corbyn, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, this is your issue. You hang out with bad people, with bad minds. We're talking about their policies are unbelievably, remarkably flawed. And then you sit there and lecture like somehow you know decency. You don't know a good holy damn thing about decency. Decency would be get rid of Hamas and let people live free. That would be decency. Put the people of Gaza on a path to be able to determine their own course. Their own future. That's a worthwhile concept. Not a worthwhile concept. If you're unwilling to get rid of Hamas, they're surrendering. You know what you should be saying? Good. Let them all surrender so the bombing ends. But you don't say that because you don't care what happens to Israelis. You like it, don't you? Why don't you just be honest and admit it? Now, I don't know if she actually likes it. I'm only making an assumption on that moment. I got to assume that she actually likes it. If she's going to excoriate the Biden administration for not pushing for ceasefire, right? She wants the ceasefire because she is okay with Hamas getting rearmed and ready to go. She's okay with Hamas getting stronger because that's the only reason to be okay with a ceasefire. That's it. Even Bernie Sanders knows you can't do it forever. I don't believe you can do it at all. And I think that's the rational course. But this commie, Ocasio-Cortez, thinks you can do it forever. Bernie has yet to figure out that his politics don't match up with his religion. Bernie, let me, let me help you, Achie. Just uh, just uh, you know, one Jew to another. They hate you. You were a good useful idiot up until october seventh. Now you're just some kind of uppity Jew in the way. These squad members hate you. They would rather see you gone. You don't know that? You haven't figured it out by now from Andre Carson and Rashida Talib, you haven't figured it out? Well then you're a fool. You're a fool. You want to talk about not permanent ceasefires, that's fine. Say it to Representative Ocasio-Cortez. And don't say it in some kind of statement on CBS News. No, walk right into her office. At least recognize that they hate you. They'll use you, and they have used you. But they hate you. You haven't figured that out? Well, spend some time with it. Oh, by the way, uh, Jewish or not, understand that these squad members, they hate you. They show it all the time. When do you start believing them? I'm Tony Katz. Don't get this cold going around, whatever you do. Do not get it. No, don't get me wrong, I feel fine. I'm amazed I have a voice, but like I, it's, the coughing will not stop. It just won't stop. It has been days. This is dumb. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Dow right now at 58, and NASDAQ is down near 30. A lot of talk about what Jerome Powell is going to do. Drone Powell does not care about what Wall Street wants at all. He has proven this. There's two different dynamics at play. What the market is telling you and what Federal Reserve Chairman Powell is telling you. That according to uh, the CIO of a uh, hedge fund. I think that's accurate. Doesn't care. I don't see any rate cuts coming anytime soon. What they're trying to figure out is, will there be rate cuts first quarter of 2024? I mean, they, you, you talk to them, there's real hope. Real hope they'll see a full percent down over the course of next year. I don't know about that. You've got the Federal Reserve, meaning Wednesday, and then you've got the European Central Bank and the Bank of England and others getting together on Thursday. So, do you have contrary or contradicting messages? Or do you have... Um, unanimity from from these groups that will send the markets uh, in in certain directions. Uh, I am only convinced that the people who are saying that there's going to be a a, a soft landing that's that's much more fantasy. That's much more fantasy than it is reality. The idea that it's all gonna work out fine. I, I I I'm I am not there by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, I've got everything you need to know about these presidents in the in the free speech conversation. Oh, who has quit, who won't quit, who's getting supported, who isn't I have got the whole thing going on. Alex Jones, back on Twitter, been asked about what I I think of it. And then, of course, as we take a look at this, this bigotry that's been going on and how it affects Western culture, how about the idea that amongst Democrats, Holocaust denial is growing. If you think this is just about Jews, I can't say it enough. No, it's not. It's about so much. How about the denial of reality? I've got that story coming up. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today.
1: The rate is slowing, but prices are still high. And so when you ask people, okay, the jobs market is strong, yes, they acknowledge that, but their income isn't keeping up with inflation. And that's that immediate pocketbook impact where you see such big numbers say that. Because prices are still not back at those pre-pandemic levels. Right.
0: That's correct. Thank you so much for the honesty, CBS. We greatly appreciate it. Is your income keeping up with inflation? According to CBS News, 24% say yes, which means 76% say no. That's that's where Americans feel it. And that explains a lot regarding Biden's poor polling numbers. I mean, the polling is so interesting because it if, if you look at the head-to-head matchups, Georgia and Michigan, uh, CNN had the polling. Trump beats Biden. And if that's not enough to make the Trump people say, we're going to, everybody else step out of the way. We're going to win this thing. Stop being ridiculous. Well, one thing I know is that Chris Christie is not stepping out of the way. Ron DeSantis is not stepping out of the way. And Nikki Haley actually thinks she's going to win. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What's going on? 833-468-8669-833. Got Tony. I'm t- None of these people. You won't see anybody drop until after New Hampshire and possibly after South Carolina. But Trump has to win by numbers. I mean, if you show me a poll that shows him up plus 50 and he only wins by eight, someone might think they could stick around. Even though eight is a giant number. Because they'll say, oh, we don't believe the polls. If he doesn't win Iowa, well, then it's, you know, Katie bar the door in terms of who's going to stick around, who has money to try and make it to some other places and try and create some opportunity for Super Tuesday. But that is not the, that is not the story. The story right now is that the president of the University of Pennsylvania, Elizabeth McGill, has resigned because of her maddening statements, just like Claudine Gay of Harvard, just like Sally Kornbluth, of MIT. Regarding questioning of whether or not calling for the genocide of Jews violated the rules or code of conduct, and uh, to a person, they said, "Well, it depends on the depends on the context. It's a context dependent decision." That's what McGill said. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context. That's what Elise Stefanik, representative from New York, responded with. The issue with the answer, of course, was that it was inhumane. You really think that you're allowed to have mobs of people screaming for, for dead Jews and this is, this is okay? At Harvard, you had to take a seminar where you learn that not using somebody's proper pronoun was a violent act. You had to take the class. The the, 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 the thing. You had to do it. You didn't have an option. You didn't have a say. Wrong pronoun that's violence. Chanting for genocide super fine. Now I think it's weird that you tell me it's violent if I call you he when I can see your Adam's apple. Uh, you're a he. That That's all there is to it. I won't lie to myself for you because I think that's an act of violence. But this is, of course, taken part of, taken uh, has been taken to be part of the free speech conversation. Because this is a question of should we really be curtailing speech on college campuses? The argument fails because the campuses have already been curtailing free speech. But the speech they've been curtailing is mine and yours. Riley Gaines, Ann Coulter, Ben Shapiro. Name the person who they politically disagree with and they're totally fine with curtailing those rights. Yet somehow... On mobs saying, kill all the Jews, they are now like, well, so you see, it stops being a free speech conversation because there's something to be said for, should there be a, a conversation allowed regarding the rights of Hamas? Could one have a conference called the rights of Hamas? Should they be allowed to exist? I actually think that that's something that can be done because bad ideas need to be put into the public sphere. They need to be put into the town square, to the public square so they could be discussed and then people could see what a bad idea it is. Should Hamas be allowed to exist? A terrorist organization? Should the KKK be allowed to exist? People who want to eliminate black Americans? And what, what are we going to say? Well, no, it's just a, a group of misunderstood young men who are proud of their culture. Proud of their culture by wanting to get rid of every black and Jewish face. That's, uh, that, that isn't some people who want to have, you know, a parade there's there's something a, a wee bit different in that but should you be allowed to address it of course you should be allowed to discuss it for sure and i don't want to stop any university from having these open conversations it's the universities that stop the ability to have open conversation they've been doing it for years And they've been doing it under the guise of what? Protection. Being inclusive. Being supportive of the student body. Right until the moment it was untenable to do so because they don't actually care if the Jews are dead. And the progressives that make up their their student bodies and their academic bodies really have an anti-Semitism problem. So now protecting Jews wasn't something they actually cared about. They weren't an important part of the student body. Now you and I have known this because we've discussed this. And that's why I look at people on these college campuses. I'm like, how did you not know? And I have to remind myself, I need to show some grace because it's very possible that they did not know. And I could do one of two things. I could either scream at them for not knowing Or I could try and be helpful to the fact that they didn't know. Now they know. Let's talk about what we're going to do about it. Let's talk about how you're going to change how you vote, change how you think, change how you present uh, or how you engage your friends. Change who your friends are. Pretty important, if you ask me. Over at Cornell, I was discussing this uh, the, the, the other day. Over the past few days, a number of universities, including Cornell, have been asked by members of Congress to make clear their policies around genocide. Check out what Cornell writes. Genocide is abhorrent, and Cornell condemns calls for the genocide of any people. An explicit call for genocide to kill all members of a group of people would be a violation of our policies. So as William Jacobson, Cornell law professor, finds it, You mean you're defining it so narrowly, it has to be an explicit call to kill all members of a group. You have to literally walk around saying, we want to kill every Jew in existence. That's wrong. But from the river to the sea, which is a call to genocide, that's not actually a call to kill Jews. Okay. Phantasmal. Cornell, the same place that would have a problem if Riley Gaines was on their campus. Discussing honestly that men are not women and women are not men. Pick your black conservative. Oh, my gosh, you can't have them on the campus. They're a traitor. The list goes on and on. One of the things that, that, that this has exposed is how absolutely intellectually dishonest the universities are. And it is intellectual dishonesty. More than 500 Harvard faculty members have signed a letter defending Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard University, and urging the university not to remove her. Now, Claudine Gay has got her own series of problems. The faculty members who are supporting her urge Harvard to, quote, defend the independence of the university and to resist political pressures that are at odds with Harvard's commitment to academic freedom, including calls for the removal of President Claudine Gay. The critical work of defending a culture of free inquiry in our diverse community cannot proceed if we let its shape be dictated by outside forces. That's what they wrote. There was a study of 248 universities and, and uh, uh, a poll, or I should say, looking at the uh, systems that they have in place in terms of free speech and where they rank. And Harvard ranked 248th out of 248. The least amount of free speech is available on the Harvard campus. Number 247, University of Pennsylvania, where President uh, Elizabeth McGill and the chairman of the board, Scott Bach, have both resigned. Harvard doesn't believe in free speech at all. Check out the statement. The critical work of defending a culture of free inquiry in our diverse community. What the? Why is diversity always there? That's right. Because diversity is always the thing. The DEI nonsense is the thing. With Claudine Gay, this is actually a big deal because now there's a question of how she got the job. I don't know how she got the job. I have absolutely no idea. I stated that last week. Now that is being what's being discussed by Christopher Rufo and uh, Carol Swain, Dr. Swain, is that it's possible that Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, who doesn't really have a strong academic background at all of publishing and of written works of, of any kind, of really an, a strong academic record of any kind, that the academic work she has done she was stealing from carol swain dr carol swain who's written a series of books was a democrat now a republican and has written books on um uh, the 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 roadblocks people put up uh, under the cl- and utilizing the claims of racism we're about to find out whether or not claudine gay i mean as is described now in these multiple places, was she the right woman for the job, or was she a diversity hire? The presidents of all three of the Ivy Leagues, which is now called the ISIS Leagues, uh, ISIS League schools, they were the Ivy Leagues, but that's that's over now. Are all women? It has some people wondering whether or not these are diversity hires. I have no idea. I don't know. I didn't know their records. I didn't know their 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 CVs. How would I? It's not something I pay attention to. Now they're looking into Claudine Gay. Things look weird. But nothing beats Jamie Raskin, the Democrat from Maryland, progressive. Who, when asked on MSNBC about these hearings and Elise Stefanik, goes into One of the ugliest statements out there. Uh, Jamie Raskin is Jewish. This is despicably ignorant from the congressman. Allow me to explain.
1: Well, I'm thinking about it as a father, as a parent. I mean, if my kids have been sent to college at great expense, uh, like, uh, you know, millions of people across the country. I want to know that if somebody is actually calling for the genocide of the Jews or anybody else on campus, that we've got a college president who will say, quickly, get campus police over there. That person could be a danger to other people around them, especially in the age of the AR-15, when we've had, you know, uh, genocidal style uh, language being used, but also uh, massacres taking place, like at the Tree of Life uh, Synagogue um, in uh, Pittsburgh or at the Buffalo supermarket. Those are right-wing anti-Semites who talk about the Great Replacement Theory. We-
0: ah, it's the right-wing. You see, is the problem. You look how much he had to spin for that. But that's not the story. Wait for it.
1: We had a guy at Cornell uh, who was making death threats towards Jews. And we had three Palestinian uh, college kids who were shot in Burlington, Vermont, of all places. So, you know, with lax Republican gun laws across the country, we've got to take very seriously anybody who's making any kind of violent threats especially genocidal threats having said that uh... where does elise Stefanik get off lecturing anybody about anti-semitism when she's the hugest supporter of donald trump who traffics in anti-semitism all the time she didn't utter a peep of protest when he had Kanye west and nick fuentes over for dinner nick fuentes who doubts whether october seventh even took place because he thinks it was some kind of suspicious propaganda move by the israelis and The Republican Party is filled with people who are entangled with anti-Semitism like that. And yet somehow she gets on her high horse and lectures a Jewish college president from MIT.
0: Being Jewish does not make you an expert in anti-Semitism. You incredible, disgusting bigot. Secondly, everybody should have said Trump was wrong for meeting with Kanye West and Nick Fuentes. I said it. And number three, she was right to ask the question. The presidents are bigots and you bringing up Trump is just your unwillingness to deal with the situation in front of you. The Democratic Party is lousy with Jew haters. You're full of them and you keep defending them. We call them the squad. They're right there down the, down the office from you, right down the corridor. Why don't you just say something already? Who is Elise Stefanik to lecture? Not every Jewish person has an expertise in anti-Semitism. And when you've given up your religion for your liberalism, my gosh, we've seen what kind of horrible things come from that. Thank goodness Elise Stefanik said something. A despicable statement. But then again, they want these presidents to stay in power. I'm Tony Katz. <music> border Week. I told you I'm bringing every aspect of the border. Uh, Chief Clem, uh, former Yuma Sector Border Patrol Chief, gonna be with us in the, in the next hour. Isabel Soto, it is Policy for Libre Initiative. What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What is the real experience going on at the border? I mean, that's the, that's the question. Until we've got data, we don't know how we're supposed to go about doing things. What we know is anybody who's okay with status quo is okay with destruction. This doesn't work the way we have it. It hasn't worked for years. So it's only going to make changes. We're only going to make changes if we actually make them. We start with Chief Chris Clem that's coming up right after this.